Welcome back to NALP's Young Professional Network Podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Today's podcast is powered by our Young Professional Network partner, Steel. Steel makes a full line of gasoline and battery-powered outdoor power equipment to demanding landscape professional. Find yours at SteelUSA.com. Your hosts today include myself, Brett Lemke, the Arm Landscape, and Macy Robinson with Landcare. Macy, how are you today? Not too bad. How are you doing? Good. Good. You know, we've uh, been flipping in some uh, other guests on uh, on the podcast, rerunning some of our favorite podcasts. So uh, it's been a little bit since we've done the, uh, our recording. So I'm, I'm happy to, to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. And, and we to see everybody hopefully soon at Elevate too. That's right. That's right. That's coming, rushing right in here. And so in person uh, with each other, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. We have a guest today. Uh, why don't you do the intro, Macy? I can do that. Today we have Sean Mahonen with us. He works for RP Marzilli in the pre-construction and estimating division of the company. He started at RP Marzilli in 2017, directly out of college, attended the University of Massachusetts Amherst, and studied landscape contracting and development. His daily responsibilities include conducting takeoffs, interacting with material vendors and subcontractors, communicating with client architects and general contractors, and constructing high-level cost estimates. Outside of work, he is on the golf course or working on his yard at home. Sean, is there anything I missed? No, I think that's it. I think that's good. Wait, wait yeah. you, got a, you got a life outside of work? How does somebody <laughs> on, in this industry, golf and everything? Wow. That's you know, I, it, not often, but I try to make it happen, so... <laughs> If, if any time, hopefully we all are experiencing, you know, this, that midsummer, at least up here in, in, in the Northeast, a little drier, a little calmer, uh, we get out of the spring. So yes, hopefully you get to enjoy a little time. We've done the same too. So, well, welcome. Um, yeah, no, for, thank, thank you for having me. me. I'm excited to be here. We kind of have a little bit like similar age backgrounds when it comes to college. I'm interested kind of just to start off the call. How did you get started in that? How did you choose that? Um, and then, you know, how did you choose the company that you're with now out of college for our young professionals that were in the stage you and I were in five or six years ago? Yeah, it's funny. So out of my family, I'm the only, I'm the first one to kind of go into the green industry. So it really started with my dad actually bought a commercial mower when we were younger and I just kind of fell in love with it from that point on. Like I was just using it. I was so young. And then, um, you know, I found out about the program out at University of Massachusetts and I was like, you know what, I really want to make the green industry a career. Um, it seems like something that would, you know, work well for me, the contracting, you know, role. Um, so I, you know, I, I went to UMass and, um, you know, being a university, you know, in Massachusetts, Marzilli had, you know, a lot of uh, sponsorship out there. So that's kind of how I became familiar with Marzilli. And, um, you know, so once, you know, college ended I was like I you know I've heard a lot of good things about Marzilli they've done a lot of sponsorship they've you know obviously have invested in in the youth in the next generation so that's kind of how I ended up ended up here so in the role you're in now is what you've been you started with no so when I first came on with Marzilli I was actually my my title was assistant crew leader which for everybody in the you know in the industry knows that's a laborer but um, it was good because they put me in a position here where I was able to learn from some good foremen. And, you know, they really kind of showed me a lot of the ropes, whether it was layout or operating or, you know, interacting with clients or architects, whoever it may be. So that's where I started. And I was able to work my way up into a foreman position. 
and then eventually into an estimating role. But it wasn't, um, you know, when I first started in estimating, it was actually just like a seasonal position. I worked out in the field in the summer and in the busy season and in the winter when we kind of slow down a little bit, I had the opportunity to go inside and learn the estimating role and then um, kind of transition full time into that over the past, you know, three years or so. So. I think it's such a call out to college students because I think in our industry, it's so important to have time in the field, even if it's just during your internships. And that was a standard for such a long time. Like I know my bosses, you come out of college and you're, you're going on a crew. Like that's what you did. You did it for a year or two, and then you work your way up. And now because of the labor shortage from a management standpoint for companies and just, I think, you know, kids expectations coming out of college is I have a degree, I should get a management job. You know, I'm going to be a production manager. I'm going to be an account manager. I'm going to be a designer, whatever it is. Um, and it takes away all of that learning experience in the field. Um, cause I did it, I did start as an account manager out of college. And so just seeing the importance of the things that other people have learned going straight into the field and spending a whole summer, spending six months, spending a year. Um, I think people just need to, you know, college students need to step back and realize how great it is for their career, um, to do that time and that amount of service for the company. Yeah, it, it really helps build relationships too inside a company. So like Marzilli, we're probably close to 300 employees now. And, you know, each, you know, there's not, it's not uncommon for someone here to be really good at something, whether it's like, you know, horticultural seasonal color or building chimneys or walls. So the time I had in the field too, I was able to build relationships with those type of people. So now when I have questions up here in the pre-construction, you know, division of the company, I'm able to kind of go with them and we, we know each other you know, just off the time we spent in the field or wherever it may be. And I'm kind of able to have that conversation with them, even, you know, so it, it does go a long way, I think, in that, in that aspect as well. So well, the, the industry itself says, regardless of the role, CEO, you know, VP, fleet manager, if you join this industry, you, you're, you have to love what we do in the field. You have to love the landscape. Mm-hmm. Even if you're account manager that came from a different industry, you had to have an appeal to what we create or maintain. And if you don't, and and, and then you're going to always have that disconnect and there'll always be this gap where, well, that's just not me. I just want to run the business or the numbers of the spreadsheet uh, or sell the business of of what we we set, we we produce, but you'll, you'll never really fully embrace it. And so it doesn't mean you have to start in the, in the ground, but at some point, if a company hires you because you're a talented designer or a talented account manager and you go right to that spot, you still have to take the effort to connect to your point, Sean, just figure out where you can make those connections, even if it's more important for you to manage or sell or create or design, uh, you, you, you need that experience. And I, and I, I think Langhear does it. We've done it too, where you, you, you know, all feet, you know, management roles, if you're hired for a role, you still go out there for a period of time, a week, a day, and just experience it. And have the, the one, either the sympathy for what people go through, at, you know, on the hot days and the cold days or two the, the, the level of respect and, uh, and understanding of what it takes. So, I mean, you could be a lifelong uh, crafts person, right, Sean, and go out there and you'll still not know perfectly how to estimate every job. And so it, there's never a, a point to say, okay, I figured it all out. Now let me go estimate this and create it. It is just, I need awareness. I need to know who and how to talk through it, but I don't need, but it, it, um, I, I do a lot of estimating still within our organization 
and I, I still make mistakes, right? And so it's just lots of ways to to catch catch through those things. So, um, what have uh, through that estimating piece? What have how have you overcome like the uh, the projects that are just not you know not as clear? Like, well, I know how to plant a shrub, but how do you do? I mean, I think I saw you guys do some insane driveways and some mm-hmm. projects that are just very unique. So, how how do you uh, go on and estimate those kind of projects? Well, you know, estimating to me is more like kind of just, you know, I don't, I do takeoffs and I take that information. I do put it into like business, like a proposal, but really estimating to me is like kind of putting together, you know, as much data as we can to make sure it's, you know, going to be constructed the way, you know, they need to do it in the field. So to kind of, to your point, when we have those complex jobs or driveways or walls, really I'm trying to pull in as many people as I can to communicate with, whether it's the, you know, you know, lead masons or a project manager that may have done something like that in the past or, you know, our estimating team is made up of, you know, there's five of us um, and together, you know, we've all have different backgrounds. So we're kind of able to communicate as a team and just make sure that, you know, my thought process is in line with, you know, how it's going to be built in the field and how people have done it in the past. So it's really just communication on, on our end. And Macy, you find yourself, you know, as you, as projects come new to your uh, branch, you're part of that estimating or just review of those projects. That seems like that's an important piece. Yeah. Just getting multiple eyes on the project too, even if it's not their field. Oh yeah. You know, I had a cousin do this one time and he ran into this problem or, um, you know, my mom tried this at the house as a (laughs) do-it-herselfer and it didn't go so well. Um, It's just great to get other eyes on the project, even stuff that, you know, I've bid a thousand times, 38 mows, eight prunings, like just your standard maintenance stuff. It's like, Hey, you know, ask your boss or another account manager. What do you think? Does this look good? It's like, Oh, you forgot that, you know, it's 20 minutes further away than your other job, or, you know, you have to take tolls to get to this job um, if you want to get there efficiently. So just a second set of eyes is always great. And for those that are establishing the estimating process within their organization, it's just, there's a lot of pieces. And it was a nice article I just read last night. It was NALP's publication there, I think the Edge, and um, talked about, you know, estimating or guesstimating is a part of it, uh, but production rates just equally a part of it and keeping those updated and current, really important. So if you don't have production rates, you got to establish them. But what you all experience, right, and many times is production rates get you so far then you need to take it to a level of, you know, experience that can, uh, can help adjust that and uh, the combination, but you're going to win some and you lose some. I mean, I, I think we all have had jobs that have gone well and gone o- over in all sorts of areas. And it's just, how do you, you know, you don't take that one, you take it and move on and, and quickly get through it. Just can't have it repeat multiple times. That tends to not work for business part. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're always told not to be data entry. And I think that's um, so important, right? You can take the numbers that we're generating in our production rates and just kind of plug them into what we're getting for whether it's a square footage of a, you know, a, a flat work or vertical work or whatever, but you really got to look at the job as what it is and the challenges that it, it presents and make sure we're making those adjustments accordingly. Because it is easy and it, it, I've been doing it for a couple of years now. It is easy just to kind of get used to taking those numbers and plugging them in and saying, well, we did that last time it'll work, but every job is different. And um, especially in the, you know, the construction world where we're doing every job is just so unique. So we just really got to make sure we're looking at it from a, from that uh, point of view. 
Yeah, I've stepped into some of our construction estimating this year and working through that. And I've been doing a more probably maintenance estimate and it just takes a whole different mind. So the two don't transfer very well. Uh, and one is built on production rates with slight adjustments to the property or site, but fairly consistent. But yeah. to go from very unique residential projects, uh, it, you know, in construction pieces, it's it's a lot of parts, a lot of moving parts. Yeah. And that, in that communication, so we're kind of broken up into two, you know, like production and then pre-construction. So that real time data coming back to the estimating world from production is so important because some of these jobs too are going on for, it's not uncommon for us to have a job that's going on for 18 months, maybe two years, a year, whatever it may be. So if we're kind of getting um, burnt on one part of it, we want to make sure we're have that information right away. So we're not sending the same thing out again. You know, if it's taking the guys a little bit longer to construct something, we want to make sure we know that even if it's, you know, the job is still ongoing. So that communication is vital for us. So. It is the back end is equally part, right? Job costing. Yeah. Macy, how often do you review projects with your teams? Is it through the season end of seasons at renewals? What, what, what's your process for just sort of analyzing? Pretty much every week, honestly, just because we track like as soon as a job, our jobs are a lot smaller, you know, some of them might take two weeks, but that's like a pretty hefty project. Um, so we look at the gross margin material costs, like, you know, what did you have to buy? Oh, you know, we had to end up printing a piece of equipment that wasn't on the job. And so we kind of review that stuff weekly in our branch meeting. I think that's very unique just to, you know, this, this estimating system that we use, we we're able to do that very easily. Um, so we, we review them pretty heavily and at least on a monthly basis, because we do month in financial closes. And so everybody sees, um, how, how we did on those installation jobs. Well, for the both of you, how, how do you, how does coaching come or how do you give coaching when jobs are sort of, you know, again, you, you got people that are experienced doing this, but they make mistakes, um, even overruns or where you, where you save tons of hours is even also like, well, we didn't need to charge that much. Will this affect the race? So even big wins to big losses have that same kind of effect to some, some degree, but what, uh, um, Macy, you probably doing a lot of coaching, Sean, probably some coaching and getting coached. Like what is those experiences like when you have jobs that are, you know, maybe mistakes were made or, or things were, were missed. I think definitely taking it a very gentle approach to it depend and it depends on each person. I mean, some people are just like, look, you missed this, fix it. Next. Like, are you gonna do this again? Like, no, I learned and it's easy. And some people it's walking through the bid process after the fact, like their next few bids. Um, like, you know, my Dallas team is very different from my Oklahoma city team and their approval limits. Um, they're very experienced in Dallas. They've you know, those team members have been doing it for a very long time. And then a lot of team members in Oklahoma city are new, might not be new to the industry, but new to our systems and just walking through each bid with them before, um, and having an approval limit on it, you know, whether it's a thousand dollars or $20,000, whatever it is. And just going through and be like, Oh, did you think about, um, like if you hit irrigation during this, like, is it close to a valve box? Are you going to hit a valve digging all of this up? Like, you know, there's $150 and, three hours of labor right there, like that might have to be added. Um, so, I, you know, I think a lot of it's just experience and letting them fail as well. Um, obviously I think that Sean's is a little bit different if you fail because they're doing very, very large projects versus, you know, if we 
fail on, it takes us longer to put the mulch out. It's a little bit different um, from a revenue standpoint and the business failing than a well, it's, project. It's like, you know, labor, like, oh, a little overrunning labor. Okay, we'll get through that. But when it's that Italian marble that came from right off the the, the shipping area, right? And you're like, okay, we ran out. What do we, what do you do? Like, oh, yeah. Any of those kind of stories, Sean? Or, you know, this just goes out to the world. So it's, you know, this is just a, a useless conversation. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, a lot of the project, I mean, we estimate a lot of different size projects, but it's not, I mean, on a million dollar project or a million and a half dollar project, you know, a mistake can be, you know, 10 or $15,000, right? And so, you know, it, as part of estimating mistakes happen, you know, we try to do as many checks and balances to reduce the amount of mistakes, but, we're all human. It does happen. I can tell you that when you make a mistake, you take a couple of minutes to yourself and just reflect, you know, cause it really hurts. But, you know, to your point of coaching, um, you know, I do report to a lead estimator and if we make a mistake, it's usually, you know, how do we make the mistake? You know, uh, can we make, can we do anything to minimize that mistake moving forward on the job? Like, is there anywhere we can make up for it? And, Really, you just got to be transparent with the production team. As soon as we discover a mistake or something that, you know, may not look right to us, we just got to be 100% honest with them and let them know where it's coming from. Because sooner or later, they're going to find out whether it's, a, you know, a couple of weeks down the road, or a couple of months down the road, really want to make sure we're um, just kind of letting them know about it. But, you know, we they do happen. I can't think of one off the top of my head that really stands out. But, um, well, yeah, it, it, it happens. And it happens, it could happen often and you could still win on a job, but you'd had something overrun here, but this covered and compensated. So, you know, we've all had those experiences. I often, we, our conversations on post-job is, um, works hard to not have the finger pointing between estimating and production. Well, yeah, I didn't hit those hours because I didn't, I wasn't given enough hours. Well, they took too long because of this or that. Right. And so it is the age old battle between, you know, sales and production and estimating and production. And, um, in, in, in all realities, and I've often said, like, I look deeper into it. It's a little bit of both. And there's always a reason to say, well, how would they going to estimate the rain and the issues and the slopes if they didn't see these circumstances? And how are you, of course, not going to hit production when you have these kind of things that happen or delays in materials and so on. And so, um, it really is just about, are we, to your both your points, are we learning? Are we building from off of this? Or was the next job we take on that we're not going to have these same mistakes? And if that's the case, then we live for tomorrow. We're going to be there. People love the work. We're not going away. It's just which jobs are, uh, you know, it's the repeated stakes, right? Like the shame, uh, fool me once kind of move, right? Where you, yeah. it can't keep happening for the same reasons. And, and you know, we, hopefully those both in production and in estimating have that drive to just find a better way uh, and, and keep learning beyond that. Yeah. But it's age old stuff. We actually have, a, we have a system here in place at Marzilli too, which we have like a closeout meeting at the end of every job where the estimator and um, the project manager will sit down and kind of review the project. And we know it, we'll talk about what went right, what didn't go right. Um, you know, maybe something in estimating that was, you know, either missed or a little bit short. And then they, you know, the production team will also answer to their question. So we're kind of able to, to kind of not hash it out, but just look at the job and how it performed and like learn from that. So that, that, I think that's a really good process that we do here. Cause um, you know, it kind of avoids that finger uh, finger pointing as much as possible. Cause I think we both understand where the other's coming from, you know? Well, uh, so you have a, a, a storied career and well, how long is an estimator now have you been? This has been a couple of years. 
I've been an estimator here for me. Full time, you're saying asking me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been estimator for three years now, full time with Marzilli. So, and what uh, and and what do you want to continue to do in that role, or what uh, has that? What have you learned to that pace as a as sort of the next steps for you? You know, we're. I like to, you know, I'm working myself more into a sales role with the company. Um, we don't really have a sales team here at Marzilli, so it's going to be something new moving forward. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like necessarily, but you know, it'll always be in that pre-construction role in the company. Like that's why I really, I do like pre-construction. So, um, you know, my personal goal is to kind of continue to move and maybe move into like this, the more of a sales role as the kind of the company grows. And it's, and the sales role is not there because it's more of a design lead is that piece is the, the intro to the client and that engagement there. Yeah. I mean, right now you could say Bob Marzilli is like our largest, you know, salesman. He kind of <laughs> develops the names on the truck. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> so let's see it get done. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. Exactly. He oh, has yeah. a great relationship with architects and builders, you know, all across the Northeast. So, you know, and for the most part, we've kind of been able to, you know, get a lot of work just building those relationships with them. And um, so we haven't really had to have people go out and try to sell the product. You know, the architects are comfortable with us. You know, the builders are comfortable with us. The project really just kind of come to us for, you know, for lack of a, you know. Oh, yeah. So some small shoes to fill there, Sean. Very small shoes. Don't well, worry. I'm, I'm not saying I'm by, <laughs> by any means, but, yes. you know, it's definitely something that I think the company, you know, in the future, as it progresses, is going to have to look into that. So. So in that career growth, Sean and Brett too, um, like continued learning and education to get to those things. What are you guys doing um, to get to those next steps of the career? And Brett, you know, what have you done kind of to get, are you just on job learning experience through NALP learning? You know, you said you read an article last night about it. Um, Seminars, like local expos, what what are things that y'all are doing or hope to do to continue education and just stay up to date? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, it's something that I'm going to have to look more into as well. Like I, I know there's a lot of, you know, different options, but for me, I've just been really focusing on building like relationships at this point in time and just making sure that I'm able to kind of, um, you know, build myself uh, a good network and, you know, kind of, because that's where I want to go in the future is the sales role. So I just want to make sure that people are familiar and comfortable with me and kind of in that estimating role, kind of prove myself to kind of, to be, you know, successful in the future. So. Yeah. I, uh, I read that article last night and it, and it reminded me, and it was fundamentals of estimating something that, you know, one, we learned in school and 20 plus years, I, I think we celebrated 20 years at our, my company this year. And so, uh, but yet it felt like, oh yeah. That's remind you know so there's full cycles of things you learned it you practice it you sort of forget it you get into your own set ways of doing it and then you remind yourself of well that discipline would have been helpful when I estimated that job from that article you know I've read lots of books and you know and you read them you get excited about it, you go running out into the office and say hey I, I have an idea everybody let's try this and they get like a little annoyed by every time I read a book kind of thing and so but it is um, all those are out there. And I think it's just, uh, for me, it's just a constant reminder that I've got to, uh, I've got to keep up with this and which can get really hard when life gets busier and things change. But as roles change, there's just, you know, as Sean, you become a salesperson as that, you know, evolve from there, like there, you're going to whole new learning sets there. And, and me for running our organization, it's, it's a constant, uh, filling the gaps of where I'm not comfortable. And, uh, 
either with people, with learning uh, in, in places there. And so it's uh, it was a, a helpful reminder that um, we've got to go back and, and rethink something. And, and Elevate's going to be a good example of that. It's just going to get back there. We're going to be in sessions uh, and they're going to just be like, oh yeah, I used to do that and it worked well. Why aren't we doing that anymore? Uh, I've like filled up my calendar already for sessions. Like, what do no, I want to go to? You're doing the sessions that I'm facilitating and speaking at, of course, right, Macy? I mean, like, Absolutely. come on. Yeah, yeah. Those are the, the highest demand ones, I'm certain. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it, and it's a good lineup. And 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 that those are just some of the best ways to talk because it's going to be fresh in your mind. You're going to see your your peers and you can be like, what do you all think of that thought, that conversation and and how it, how it builds from there? So it those, you know, conferences offer... Um, really, really good opportunities to, to participate. Sean, did you participate in NCLC in the past? I know Am UMass is up and was always involved. Yeah, I did. I was at, um, I went to Mississippi State and um, NC State. I, my senior year, we were supposed to go out to Utah, but with the weather up in New England, we weren't able to get out, which is unfortunate. So, Dude, I remember that one. I had a late flight. I couldn't get to it. I had to show up. And that was my year as leading NLP. And um I couldn't make like the opening session. I was, I was about ready to start walking or something to that. Yeah, one, but... it was it was devastating because I was on the hardscape installation one. So we we were practicing for like weeks on end. And we I, I think we were going to do well. I don't know if we would have won it by any means, but, you know, we had practice. So it was, uh, it was kind of disappointing that we weren't able to get out there. So especially Macy, senior year, you know. Did you, Macy, did you compete against Sean and all this stuff? That's what I, I don't think I competed against him, but we definitely probably passed cross paths at NC State. That was my huh. last year. So uh definitely probably cross paths. I did an interior plant design. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my landscaping career. And my teacher was like, you have to participate in something if you go. So I still oh, right. Look at what you <laughs> both I mean the NCLC is a wonderful test your skill sets. Not when you know, I did a, a board culture techniques, like I, I ain't climbing a tree ever again. Right. Like that's not going to happen in, in my, my career, but uh, a little taste of it. But yet, um, uh, you know, my, my cousin works for us, got second in, uh, and he'll always brag to me. He's got second interior design. He's like, and I don't even do, we don't do interiors at all. Right. It's just, um, and so good experience and, but look at where we are now and hopefully took, took that with you. Yeah. Funny enough, my, I had hardscape install and plant install, and then I had to have like a third event and they signed me up for like construction estimating. There it is. Now uh, now it all makes sense. I think I finished like in the bottom five. I'm not going to lie. I had never really done it before. And, um, so I was like, who would have thought that I'd end up as a construction estimator here at Marzilli? You know, it's just kind of funny. At the so it time, didn't go I on your never... resume to uh, Marzilli on that one. Like, hey, where'd no. you place? No, no. Don't I would have never place. thought, you know, and it's funny enough when I started with Marzilli, I didn't even know like estimating was like a possibility for me here. So, you know, it's just kind of, kind of worked itself. So. Well, it, and there's a big point too, it, you know, for the both of you, Macy, branch manager, shot, as, you know, estimating with a wonderful organizations, both of you, and to see where you've been able to go in, in, in a very short period of time. And one, that's self-drive. I mean, that, that's, you're only going to get it because you want it. And then two, the people, you're, you're surrounded by people that see the opportunity within you and they've pushed you up a little bit, you know? So um, it, it's, it's a good testament to what it, what it takes to, from school, from the field, just work experience to how to move up and ask questions about the companies you're with. If, if it's just above you, is if you're the crew person, above you is the owner, 
you know, yeah, that glass ceiling can get pretty, or you got to figure out how to help that company versus organizations like both yours where the larger and, uh, and there's, there's opportunities that are deeper. You just got to explore and ask questions. Yeah. And that's, that was really the, like one of the main reasons I came to Marzilli too, because I always wanted to do something in the landscape industry, like I had mentioned, but I didn't know exactly what it was. You know, I knew I wanted to be outside. I knew I wanted to work with my hands, but Marzilli, I presented just so many different options for me and, you know, they gave me the tools to succeed. There's no doubt about it, but you know, you do have to apply yourself and they'll create paths for you, but it's up to you to really, you know, build, to make sure that path is, you know, being, you know, followed. They can't just say, all right, you've been here for three years. Now you're an estimator, or you've been here for two years. You're a crew leader. You know, they'll give you the tools to learn and it's up to you to make sure that, you know, you take those tools and run with them. You know, can't stress that enough. So Sean, are they, they're, you know, helping provide tools. Do you have a mentor, you know, at the company that you're working with, or you've worked it with in the past or outside of the company that you're working with to help achieve those goals? Well, internally, like I had a couple of people that I always looked up to and, um, you know, was able to kind of just talk with them. And one was like a project manager, one was our production manager. And, um, you know, they were kind of, you know, they were paving their own way. And I kind of, you know, always looked up to them and um, asked some questions and they kind of gave me advice. So it was always internal. And, um, you know, even in the estimating role here, you know, there's a gentleman named Doug. He's been here over 20 years. And, you know, when I first came inside, I didn't know much. And, uh, you know, he kind of just took me under his wing a little bit and showed me, you know, you know, how it's done and how to communicate. And, you know, I owe him a lot. So, you know, those, those three people there really helped me grow and they're all internal. I, you know, I, I don't really have any external people I go to at this point in time. So. Nice. Brett, do you have anybody that you're mentoring or have been mentoring in the past. I think that's a huge step is like for Sean and I, it's just like natural day to day. Now it's like, Oh, we know it, but that we still feel young in our career. It's like, Oh, everyone's fine. It's like, no, we were there four years ago and didn't know how to do this. Like, how do you come to terms with that? I guess. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not in any formal mentoring. I do a lot of coaching throughout the day. And sometimes maybe my coaching is, I know because of just sort of the organizational chart of it, maybe not be coaching as more of an authority piece and that. And I try to understand where I'm not micromanaging or getting too deep into the details versus just saying, well, what's your plan for that? Um, but I've always uh, appreciated the, the, the process of mentoring. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's lots of ways to always be open and available to folks uh, and sort of the informal parts of that. Maybe what you all experience to some degree too. And then they have the more formal mentoring piece. Um, and then, you, you know, through, you can, doesn't have to cost you anything and it can cost you something too. Um, but it is to, it is to be able to work through uh, those scenarios, you know, Sean, you know, to be able to have those early on folks that will, you could talk projects, you could talk people, you could talk a lot of different things with that's mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's essential. Um, and, and I, I actually, you know, we've spoken a lot about it, but you know, somebody probably has done a larger study to say, if you didn't, if the, either of you didn't find um, the mentors you did or the, the help and the coaching, would you've gotten that far? What, you know, self-drive will get you pretty far, but you still need help throughout that. And so, you know, it's that balance act where you just have to be uh, humble enough to ask for help uh, to, to even, and, and watch how that'll accelerate your career versus just, no, no, I got it. You know, watch this, you know, and that, that tends to come somewhere in, in a disaster. Uh, and I've, I've watched that happen a little bit too over the years. 
yeah. And for, and for future purposes too, like I hope I can mentor people, you know, through their, you know, beginning of their career. And as they kind of work through the, you know, the process of kind of growing inside a company, I hope to be there to, to kind of help people out as well. So, you know, I'm not there yet, but it's definitely something on my radar and something I'm, you know, driven to do in the future. So. Yeah. It, it, you'll never know when it pops up and there'll be opportunities and, you know, roles and age will we'll play some roles into it, but it's peer to peer. It's confidence and trust that we all create with each other. And, uh, and when they say, Hey, do you got a minute? You know, those are coachable times and to be able and to be saying, yep, absolutely. Then, then you're continuing to position yourself as someone that, um, that's helpful, uh, and, and, and appreciating the business rather than no, I can't I'm too busy. Sorry. Right. That, that yeah. tends to put you on the Island and then people don't invite you to the Christmas party kind of thing. <laughs> that's the worst. The Christmas party is the best part of the year. That's right. You want to make it to that party. <laughs> Do not get off that list. Um, well, uh, so let's see, uh, we've got future plans for you, for you, Sean, that, um, again, you're going to fill in Marzilli. I, I, let's just make it real here, right? On the thing that you're going to fill in Marzilli's spot as lead salesperson. And uh, that is not it, true. It, we're going to, we're going to, right. Right. We're going to yeah. say in five years, we'll come back to this podcast and be like, yeah, I'm killing it. Right. And so, um, but you know, that path through and uh and so i like i like hearing that for for you and macy you've got you're on a new venture with a, a new branch still doing both branches or just the one branch now i am just assisting from afar now we backfilled me august 1st so my first day in oklahoma city we backfilled dallas um awesome guy 20 plus years in the industry um in dallas and so just couldn't have found a better fit i think for the team so i'm just it was so hard to leave that team and I think that's a big growth thing is, you know, letting people, whether, you know, someone under you is getting promoted to a different branch or something, um, just letting go of that team. They were my people was really hard. And so just really happy to see um, what the guy down there has been doing with them and really excited for them. And this is someone that you found from internal or from outside the, the company? Outside. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. another industry, another company um, in DFW, and uh, it made sense for his family long term. And he's he's a great fit, Texas A and M uh, horticulture guy, and uh, so just really great. Team loves him so far. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to step away from you know something you grew and nurtured and developed and. Now we do it all over again. <laughs> it's the uncomfortable position, right? Where, where you, you had such, you know, where things were good. And for both of you, right? I've got good systems. I got good process. I understand this space. And you're going to go step into something new. I'm going to coach somebody up. It's effort. And there's going to be a tremendous amount of effort. And the, the debate always is hire from outside or hire within and right where are the skill sets. And it goes down to the individual, I suppose. But, um, you know, how do we continue to find the right fits and, and where both come, come from. So, you know, Sean and your, have you all been mostly promoting within in your the estimating department or the roles that you've been in, or have you found some folks that work from the outside to come in? You know, in the past we've uh, hired uh, outside, you know, but um, we're open to both. I think it's, if somebody has the, you know, the drive or maybe they want to move into estimating, then we're happy to, you know, help them you know, move into that role. But we found that, you know, a lot of the candidates, you know, over the past couple of years have been outside, you know, either they're at smaller landscape companies and they want an opportunity to kind of maybe grow inside a larger company. You know, we see that quite often. Um, or we just, you know, you know, for, for example, actually we hired 
a gentleman two months ago, he just started with us. He's our fifth estimator and he owned his own company for years. And then um, he got out, you know, he, he eventually got a good offer. He said, you know, this is, I don't think there's a secession plan in place necessarily. You know, he had daughters and stuff like that. So he was like, you know, he took it and, um, and he came on board and he's been, you know, it's great. So his background is awesome. Um, and you wouldn't, I don't know if you necessarily get that background in, you know, hiring within. So. No, I, I, there's uh, a lot of opportunity with those that are, you know, companies out there that one thought it was a good idea to be self-employed, but learns what self-employment requires. And then the, the plans behind that versus, you know, working for a large organization where there is a bit of autonomy, you know, and you're not, you know, we know all the reasons people become self-employed, but there's ways to have that kind of that feeling and, and sense of ownership within organizations. I think it requires to be a large organization when you have branch models, right? Macy, you, you, you've got a lot of autonomy in what the space you do, but you, you have responsibilities of reporting too. But um, yeah, though, there's a huge opportunity to, to network and stay networked with people in your local industry, because you never know how careers change or passions change. And, uh, and there's some big opportunities there. Yeah. I think it's a, a big thing. Like, I think growing up and like going to Oklahoma state, you just see a ton and being in Oklahoma, a ton of people, you know, Chuck in a truck, like Chuck's landscape company. Like there's a lot of that and starting to become a mother and realizing that I, I can take six weeks off. There's somebody else there. It's not my own company that I'm running. It's my own business, but there's somebody there to backfill. There's a local team that can run the day to day while I'm out and becoming a mother and starting a family. Um, so it's, there's a uh, pluses and minuses for sure. Without a doubt. And, uh, and, and we, it, I think uh, we've, we try in our market here is always to be, you know, have a good relationships, even though everyone's competitors and to some degree, but it is to say like, you know, how can we help each other through this rather than, um, you know, fight, fight it through. And so you, when you stay in that kind of relationship space, opportunities will come your way through people or, or, or projects. Well, this project's too large for me. Can you help me with that? And so we see a lot of those kind of pieces. And, um, and so I, I appreciate that reputation. At least I think, I think it's the reputation we have in our market uh, and hope to, to maintain. Um, and uh, because this is just hard enough to do it ourselves. So why, why fight through it? But uh, it was, I, talk to a person in one of our markets and he's like, I'm trying to think if I should join NLP, how do we network? And we just, you know, where can we find uh, ways to, to do that outside of the local pieces? And we went back and forth and, but it was a nice conversation. We compete, but it was able to talk about, you know, mutual uh, ideas and, and desires. He's trying to run his business and I, the struggles he's going through. He's like, yep, same here. So it's, um, it's always a good feeling to, to be able to, to be able to talk to those even close to us. All right. And one thing we we did, well, you guys probably aren't aware of this, but we had the NALP field trip here this year, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so it was it was great and fantastic. I met so many great people that, you know, those that day here on Friday when they came to, to our facility. And, you know, the, it's same, you know, kind of touch on that is just building off that, off, you know, the relationships and kind of seeing how other people operate. And, you know, it was a real, internally speaking, we had a really, we thought it was really successful, you know, um, to kind of sh- give a little bit of a, peak of what we kind of do day to day so i heard a, a lot of good things from that a lot of folks that made it uh, you know and uh, and i was bummed because it was it was like that close up in the northeast and i, I couldn't swing over there but it would have uh 
but though, yeah, big reward when you get to dive deep in and both sides, right. You present, you gotta, yeah. you know, you gotta clean up the office. You gotta set yourself like all these good things come of this. There's a lot thing. of preparation. For that, <laughs> yeah, tell you that. yeah. Yeah. We think it's clean until, but we're landscapers. So it's got a little dust everywhere. We're just yeah. we're okay with a little dust. Um, we just, we just re, they actually just built us uh, a pretty large addition off our existing facility. So, you know, it's kind of nice to have um, that, you know, on display and, um, we actually have a vegetable garden outside in the front of our office, which is like a community garden. Mm. So we have like um, five, I think it's five or six rows. And, you know, everybody has like a plot if you want one. And we can, we, everybody grows different vegetables and, you know, they're up for grabs up in the kitchen area and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's uh, fantastic. That's wild. It's awesome. I, we, we hosted uh, our peer group one year and, uh, and we invited a number of our staff to come because it also benefits the company to see the scale of, well, all these people are coming to see our organization to, to go see you, your place. And, you know, in, in some, not everybody in our companies gets to network and go to events and participate in those, but to be able to host something like that, I think offers like, well, you know, I think a great, hopefully a good sense of pride that people really want to come see what you're doing and creating. And that, I think that says a lot and helps build that, that morale. Yeah. I think for that Friday when the bus is kind of pulled out of the lot is one of the like most proud, you know, I think the company had felt in a long time because, you know, a lot of people put a lot of work into it and, you know, it was, it was really rewarding to see people come out and, you know, enjoy seeing what we do and taking it back with them and putting those practices into place. And you know, it was awesome. So. Oh yeah. Always got a, uh, if you're offered the opportunity to host things, there's a tremendous amount of work behind it but there's a lot of reward that could come from it too. So yeah. it's uh, be, I, I think, be mindful to when those opportunities exist to, to jump in and say yes, and you'll, and you'll find it. And again, we clean parts of our shop that we've never ever cleaned. And we're like, and no, no one apparently looked at them, right? Or didn't say anything. So we're like, we should paint this space. Yeah, yeah. So things get done when yeah. you're motivated by that piece there. It was rewarding for Bob and Christine Marzilli because they had been traveling to those field trips when they first started the company, you know? And so to see it come full circle and then kind of come back to their facility, I can only imagine, you know, they always downplay it, but I'm sure it was a, a really rewarding feeling for them. So it was a really cool day. AC, can we come see your uh, your place next week? Ready to go? Um, let's go to let's go to my Dallas location. <laughs> just clean the whole thing before I left. But yeah, you definitely... You know, people come in and what we think is clean is we're like, we're landscapers. I mean, yeah. like, this looks great. I mean, guys are coming in and dirt and everything on their pants every day. Yeah. Like, this is great. And then, you know, someone from corporate or something comes in like, you guys really need to do some cleaning. I'm like, well, you should have seen it last week. <laughs> yeah. Wait, that layer of dust on the printer is not a good thing. I thought that protects it. Um, yeah, we, we, you know, facilities are all over the board, right? And it's great to see different companies and you'll see how people utilize space. What some uh, friend of mine can do in 10,000 square foot in Connecticut, right? To our properties, 50 acres, right? And so like, it's, he's like, well, I mean, right, we can make space if we need to on this broad land. He's like, you need. so it's, uh, it's very fun and creative, but then organizations key cleanliness key. I mean, uh, but we have gravel roads and dirt roads all over our space. And so it's like, we, we wash weekly, but you go down the driveway in 12 seconds and the truck's dirty. Right. And so um, and then you see corporate office parks where it's nice and paved and I, I get very jealous of those ideas too. So it's uh it's what everybody makes their homes and, and how best they can make that home. So in this, in the summertime, if you got a little chance right to our listeners, clean up your shop. I think that's, we, we gave one good takeaway. You know, this is the time. Don't try to do it in the spring or the winter. Uh, get her, get her done right now. Yeah. 
Um, oh, well, cool. Well, Sean, thank you. This has been a, a fun conversation and I, I think very good perspective on uh, how to grow and, and what to do with an organization. And I, I think you shared a, a great message today to our, to our listeners. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. That's great. So we end everything with uh, Rose and Thorne. So Macy, what's been going well and what's not been going well these days? Um, Rose is, I'd say team camaraderie. It's been, you know, with the Oklahoma City team, just been a wild couple of months. And I think just the short amount of time that we've all been together, it's been really great. Such a great group. Uh, I'm the only female in the office, so I have such a great group of guys that I'm working with, um, different experiences across the board. And so just excited to, you know, dive in with them, not looking forward to winter, but excited to dive in with them and, you know, do what we did in Dallas up here in Oklahoma in my home state. So I'm really excited for that. And um, I've almost cried on this podcast like three times today. These pregnancy hormones are no joke. Um, oh, don't worry. I did too. It was, it was, there was a couple. <laughs> um, Thorn um, is we're planning for snow right now, which is a very different situation for me. This is like not a thing in Dallas. Yeah. Like, ah, if we see something come, then we'll do something. Um, so like I have another snow meeting today and it's August and it's like 95 degrees outside. And That's the best time for a snow meeting, believe yeah. me. <laughs> um, so it's just very different. It's not super exciting for me, but especially since I'm going to be out for snow season this year, I can't, I'm such a doer and I can't be out there doing it. Um, but that's, it's the thorn right now is thinking about snow. <laughs> Welcome. All those years of bragging about Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, snow it's so <laughs> podcast in the middle of winter. Oh, it looks nice here today. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now we got you. <laughs> How about you, Sean? My thorn would be the droughts we've been seeing up here in Massachusetts. They've been so, uh, you know, demanding on not only us as a company, our clients, but it's just, it's been crazy and it heat. So that's my biggest thorn. I even planted some plants in my yard this spring and it's been an uphill battle to say the least. So that's, it's been killing me. And uh, I'd say my rose is uh, I'm a big football fan. So the fantasy football drafts and stuff like that are getting going these next couple of weeks. So I'm excited about that. Hmm. Unfortunately, it does mean the cooler weather is coming, but I'll look in the bright side. So. You don't, do you have to estimate snow at all? Is that you find yourself having to do that? No, I, I only, only do construction. <laughs> we have a snow, we have a snow division that, that handles all that. That plays so. out. Well, you know, we're talking, we're a bunch of landscapers when our rows and thorns have something to do with weather or we're talking about the weather, right? And so there's just what industry doesn't, that talks about this much. And uh, versus those are like, I don't know what's going to be out there today. <laughs> You're, they're lucky to not have to worry about. Uh, we had a lot of rain a couple of days ago and that felt uh, refreshing and, and helpful. So I, I hear you, Sean, this Northeast has been, a, it's one of those drier seasons versus last year, the wet. So uh, it's, uh, so yeah, uh, Rose is, we are actually thinking, uh, and doing more with snow. So Macy, like we're probably, you know, we're behind. Everybody will say that when snow is a big part of our operation, you know, so June and July, we probably should have put a more thought into it, but, uh, but our equipment is basically almost ready for an, you know, uh, October one go. And, uh, and so we've got a lot of things going there, but some, some gaps we've, some big rows was we finally got a lot of equipment that we put on order 18 months ago has finally arrived and, and is showing up and we're putting to use. So that, that felt really good. Um, Thorns, um, you know, we, we've got just the renewal process and keeping those sales and going up and 
or, you know, we're going to our clients with big ass this year for renewal percentage increases. And we're getting pushback from, you know, reasonable thought to like, wait, what, what was your reason for not accepting my, like, oh, I don't think you need that much increase for your business. Like, oh, okay. Glad you know. Glad you know. Um, and so it's just going to create conversations and, and it will test relationships. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to learn where we're stronger and where we have some gaps. So, um, but we're going to, at the end of it, if, uh, if we, some people leave, I think we're going to have a better portfolio than we've had in the past. So, um, you know, it, it is that time of year and it, and it is about asking uh, right now. It could be probably one of, the, one of the biggest times to ask for this increase. And after that, I don't know, we'll, 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 who, who can speculate on what, where this economy goes. So um, we'll have that as another podcast conversation. So um, that needs yeah. to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's a real it's a real thing. That's, you know, we had um, a friend of mine that does coaching said to at a, the client, a mutual client of ours said, he's like, well, how much do you think we should, they, is, the, is the contract you didn't ask this year? He's like, well, you know, uh, do you think it's gonna be more than 10%? He's like, well, 10% is the CPI right now. And so if you think if they want to just get over that and cover all the other, they might be asking for close to 20 to 30%. And they just, you know, his response was they just stood there, right? As the client, like, huh. But they didn't like, no way, right? It wasn't, so everyone knows. It's just what's the right ask and how much and what's smart for your business. So don't ask for something more than you need, but if you need it, don't be afraid to ask for it either. So uh, hard lesson that I haven't really quite thought of to like follow yet, but I'm learning, I'm learning. Well, thank you both um, and appreciate the time. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening. Hopefully we will see many of you in Elevate. Um, and um, all the best uh, the rest of this week and with the, the end of the summer here. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thank you.